Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Both Sides of the Stethoscope podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Colby Salerno, and here with my co-host, Dr. Aline Gregosian. Hi, everyone. This episode is a very special episode because it's going to be debuting in April, and April is Donate Life Month, which, as you probably know, is very important to Aline and I, and we would like to use it to continue to promote organ donation. This episode, we're going to be talking about organ donation myths, and we're going to start this off because we got a question recently from one of the listeners. What was the question? So we got a question from Susan through our Instagram. She had said that she felt like she was maybe too old to donate her organs and wanted to know if it was still possible to sign up to be an organ donor. So we get asked this often, right? Or at least I do by a lot of people like on social media or even like you know, family members of of patients in the ICU and stuff like that. The answer is there is no age limit technically, right? Yep. So there's definitely no cutoff age for donating organs. And the decision to use organs is strictly based on medical criteria, not age. So please don't prematurely disqualify yourself. Let the doctors decide at the time of your death whether your organs and tissues are suitable for transplantation. So no matter your age, we still recommend signing up to be an organ donor. I think the oldest donor was actually maybe in the last couple of years, they had, it was like someone at maybe 95 years old had donated their corneas, which I thought was pretty incredible. Um, so yeah, there is no age limit. You let the medical directors and doctors decide if any of the organs or tissues are, you know, can go on to, to get procured. So that is a common myth that we hear about or, or get asked about all the time. Shall we continue? Yeah. What's another one that you know okay. of? I know I get this all the time. It's, I heard that doctors aren't going to save my life if I'm an organ donor. I would say this is the most frequent one I hear as well. I have no clue where this myth originated from, but it seems to be quite prevalent. And it seems to be a reason a lot of people actually don't sign up to be organ donors, which is very unfortunate. I think Aline and I can tell you with the utmost truth to it, being in the field as physicians, that this one is so, so, so false. And when you go to a hospital for treatment, we are going to save your life if we can. We are not going to ever check if you're an organ donor, nor will we ever care if you're an organ donor, we just want to save you. You're our patient and you're the only patient we care about at that time. Yeah. And I think another thing to, to mention is like, even if there was some rogue doctor or nurse who was trying to do that, like we don't really know who's an organ donor and who's not. In fact, the the people who come in to help with the organ donation and procurement stuff, um, if a patient has died, that's not that there's like a big conflict of interest. So it's not even like the doctors and the nurses who are actually taking care of um, that patient. It's always this whole other organ procurement agency or some sort of third party that comes into the hospital and helps out with that stuff. So, I mean, again, if, if you even think that, or there's a possibility of that, like there's actually like no way to even check if you're an organ donor, it's not, it's not regularly done until afterwards. If, if, if that even is something that people are thinking about. Definitely. And not getting in too much into the nitty gritty details of it, but the process of donating, donating organs is actually quite extensive. Uh, the testing that goes into this in order to make sure your organs are healthy enough to be transplanted and 
all that testing takes a lot of time and a lot of commitment and resources. And that cannot be done, actually, if at the time you are pronounced dead. If you are pronounced dead at that point, your organs are no longer um, something that could be really beneficial to people. The tissues already start dying. Again, I don't think it's important to go into super detail about this, but you end up needing to, you either need to be pronounced brain dead by multiple physicians. And at that point, your organs are still being perfused with blood and nutrients by the mechanical support that the physicians will have you on. Or it's, you need to be deemed by the medical team that's been taking care of you along with discussions with your family and through your wishes to say, there is likely no meaningful outcome from what you've been going through. And at that point, you actually need to be down in an or uh, in an operating room at the time of your death so that your organs can be donated so quickly to still be valuable to other people. That's a great way to put it. Um, it's again, it is very complicated, but basically uh, it's not something that people do. It's not something that even comes into you it's not even something that you generally think about when you're trying to save a life. Uh, I think this this article from Mayo Clinic puts it really really well. Where like when you go to the hospital, the focus is saving your life. It's it's not helping you die, and it's not necessary. And, and you know the organ donation process itself is very complicated and is done by a whole different agency. What's another one that we get often? Another one that is said a lot of the time is. Maybe I won't really be dead when they sign my death certificate. This one, um, as noted, um, you know, uh, first should give a shout out to Mayo Clinic, um, who has looked into this uh, previously as well. Um, We're just trying to add our own spin on things, having worked as physicians in the field. But, you know, this is a popular topic that you'll see in tabloids or be used in like a TV show for dramatic effect. But in reality, people don't start to wiggle their toes after they're declared dead. Um, In fact, people who have agreed to organ donation are given more tests um, at no charge to their families to determine that they're truly dead uh, than those who haven't even agreed to organ donation. So uh, as I had mentioned kind of previously, it's such an extensive process that, you know, you will not be treated any differently and in the end, you will, you know, unfortunately, because it is your death, but at the time of your death, there will be a lot of people making sure that you are truly dead before any organs are taken from you. Yes, I can attest to this. I mean, we, I guess we both can, but, you know, I, I work in an ICU, so I see death quite frequently. Um, and, and this has literally never happened. I know people freak out about it often and they're like, well, what if I'm not really dead and I'm just paralyzed? No, trust me. Like there's million tests that people do like there's an apnea test there's mris there's blood tests that we do just to make sure so yeah definitely not something it's a common myth but again it's it's not something that we've ever seen uh another one that i get often which i don't know too much about but um i am gonna use this resource here to help me out a little bit another one that people say is organ donation is against my religion have you ever heard that one all the time. Um, I do think a lot of people will use their religion as a reason for many medical things uh, without truly looking into the religious doctrine. Um, And this is just, you know, one example of where this could be used. 
Yeah, and over here again, we'll we'll actually share this Mayo document maybe in like the episode details, or we'll put it on our Instagram. But basically, in um, in their response, they put like religions including Roman Catholicism, Islam, most branches of Judaism, and most Protestant faiths uh, are actually you know okay with organ donation. So. Um, they suggest, you know, talking to a member of your clergy to make sure. But generally speaking, a lot more religions are okay with organ donation than you'd think. Definitely. Um, as Aline just mentioned, the, the main religions that you, you know, that we all know about and are the most prevalent in society, um, for the most part, other than some select um, small branches of those religions, all of them are for organ donation. You know, if you just think of it at, a, at its base value, it's it's the biggest gift you can give someone. And it's really, you know, talk about in terms of being able to help your neighbor. Um, this There's nothing, I think, and I'm biased, of course, but there's nothing to me more meaningful than this. Agreed. What is another um, one? Yeah, so let's keep going just because there are many, um, unfortunately, and we're hoping to get through as many as we can to try and help people. Hopefully, if we can even get one more person to sign up to be an organ donor, I think we're having a successful podcast. So uh, another one you'll hear a lot is that people are scared that they will no longer be able to have an open casket funeral um, because they're concerned that they'll be all scarred up or or, um, something will happen with their eyes um, if they were to donate corneas and things of that nature. And in reality, uh, this is is not true. The donor's body uh, is clothed for burial and treated with care and respect. Um, so there will not be a single visible sign uh, um, of organ or tissue donation having taken place. Right. That's what I've heard, too. Um, again, never been directly involved in this process, but but I've, I've heard that you can still have an open casket funeral after organ or, you know, I assume most of the time after organ donation. Um, I again, I'm not in the room when the organs are being procured or during the time of autopsy, but I know people who have donated their organs and have still been able to have open caskets. Exactly. Um, Another one that I hear often is like, sometimes people will tell me like, I have diabetes. Should I still sign up or uh, I'm not healthy enough for organ donation? I think I have this, you know, medical problem. Uh, What do you say to those people? Yeah, this one, I feel like you hear people say it like in a joking way all the time. Yeah, like yeah. nobody would want my body. I've beaten up, you know, yeah. beaten the hell out of this body. Nobody's going to want these organs. Right. Um, and I think it's a way to brush off organ donation and things. But, you know, in reality, there's like very, very few medical conditions that automatically disqualify you from donating your organs. As we kind of mentioned a little bit before, uh, the decision is based on strict medical criteria. So all the organs are going to go through rigorous testing, making sure they're healthy um, and being able to be given to someone else. Uh, you, You know, we all know that the person who's getting this organ has a diseased organ. They're not going to want to replace it with another diseased organ. They want to replace it with a perfectly healthy organ. And those people that are doing Uh, the testing on these will make sure that's the case. So no matter what you've been through in life, it's worth to me, I think, still signing up to be an organ donor because you never know if your liver or kidneys are in better shape than you thought they were or your lungs are in better shape than you thought they were even if you were a smoker at some point in your life. Uh, It's worth, you know, saving someone's life and letting the doctors who are 
um, a part of this process do the testing. Yeah. And keep in mind, like a lot of people, maybe your major organs won't be um, available to procure or, you know, if they're diseased or if you have some sort of medical condition that, you know, would not let you become an organ donor or, or something like that. But we do tissue and cornea donations too. So it might be one thing if you have a medical condition that affects, for example, your liver or any of your major organs, but there's other ways to help people as well as an organ donor. And yeah, I, I think you just have to leave it up to the like medical director and the, the people who are involved with this process more than anything. So on the flip side of that is people who think they're too young. You know, there's many high schoolers out there who start to have their own belief systems and things and want to sign up to be organ donors, but they're under the age of 18 and they feel like they're too young to make this decision. Um, have you heard of this? And do you know, you know, if there's an age limit? So I have heard of this. Um, uh, so uh, I think it depends on the state or the region that you are living in, but I think a lot of people under the age of 18, I assume around 16 when you're getting your driver's license, can still sign up to become organ donors. Even more importantly than that, obviously your parents are going to help you with the decision if you're young, but it's, it's just important to tell your family members what your decision would be if something you know untimely happened to you. So more than more than actually signing up, if, if your family knows that this would have been something that you would have wanted, then then they can still carry out those wishes if the time were to ever come. Yeah, I second that. And I think that's, you know, for anyone of any age, if you want to, you know, be an organ donor and you're not signed up to be one, it's so important to just let your family know that that's something that you would be wanting to do at the time of your death. Because when you die, it's such an emotional and traumatic time on your family. The last thing they want to be doing is thinking like, would you have wanted that when it would be much easier on them if they already knew that would have been your decision? Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Let's see. Oh, this is one that we we get often at the hospital is um, when patients want to donate their kidneys for their family members and they think it's only available for, um, you're, you can only donate a, a liver or a, piece, a part of your liver or a kidney to family members. And that's actually not true. You can actually donate to technically anyone. Uh, you can do it anonymously. There's a lot of testing that goes into living donations. So they would have to match you up with somebody that has similar uh, antibodies and blood tests like you do. But but overall, it doesn't have to necessarily be a family member. Of course, it helps if it's a family member, but you can still become an organ donor, a, a living donor for people who are not family members. Yeah, I actually just met someone who did this. They don't like talking about it because they felt like they didn't want to, you know, get patted on the back or anything. They just felt like it was the right decision. So I won't give any of their information, but they felt comfort um, in telling me about it because they had seen what I had been through. So it was one of the nice moments of me having shared my story that I was able to have happen because I had shared my story. But they told me that five years ago or about that, they decided to uh, donate a kidney because someone in their town needed one and they just felt like it was the right decision. Um, and it seems like in talking with them that it was one of the best decisions they ever made. Uh, they would do it over and over again and they just feel happy knowing 
that that person is out there living a dialysis-free, healthy life. That's so amazing. I love hearing those stories. In the transplant ICU where I work, we not only take care of you know patients, but we also take care of living organ donors after they've had one of their kidneys or part of their livers out for another patient. Generally, it's family members that we take care of, but of course, it's it's been strangers as well, which is very interesting. And I think it's like the most selfless thing that someone could ever do. So that's really nice to hear. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, like I said, it was one of those moments where I was thankful that I have shared my story because otherwise, um, I don't think they would have shared their story with me. Right. Um, I think moving through these, I think one of uh, this myth to me, the, the, the one that comes to mind the most and we'll call it the, the Dick Cheney myth um, is that rich and famous people get to the top of the list when they need a, do- uh, a donor organ. And I looked into this actually because Dick Cheney got listed for transplant, not either a little bit before me, a little bit after me. It definitely was somewhere around, I think, the same time as me. And I was, you know, people were on social media, things of that, um, <laughs> saying like, oh, he's, you know, at the top of the list. And if you look, he actually waited just as long as everybody else, he had to be on the list like everyone else. And I think the reason that people feel this way is that they get a lot of attention. Right. Um, So it's like they get a lot of attention when they need it. And then they get even more attention once the transplant happens. And without even realizing it, you think time has like flown by and they must have like jumped the list. But, you know, um, if you look into it on your own, you will see that that Dick Cheney did have to wait uh, the you know, correct amount of time that was for his organ procurement area that he was in. Yeah. People sometimes ask me, they'll be like, did you get one quickly because you're a doctor? And I'm like, absolutely not. I was just extremely sick. And I happened to have like a blood type that was common. Yes, yeah, like uh, I got one because I was on death's doorstep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, it has nothing to do with your status or money. Um, a lot of movies play it off like it's like that, but it's absolutely not. Again, like me and Colby both work with patients who are waiting and I've seen people wait days. I've seen people wait months. I've seen, you know, more famous people wait and, and you know, it, it, it doesn't matter at all. Your listing is based on, gen- again, a lot of things, but generally it's how sick you are. Um, and again, I do think you're right on the famous people just get a lot of attention. So it just seems like they didn't wait that long maybe, or like they only show like the easy, you know, parts and they don't show everything. So I feel like that's something that goes into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the sicker you are, the faster your weight. And so it's, it's sometimes it's not always the best to be um, getting your organ that quickly. Cause that means exactly. you are extremely sick Um, And if you're that sick, it might mean that much harder for recovery. Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Another one. Oh, this is actually a good one. Um, I didn't know much about this, but now I do now that like I'm in the field. Uh, The myth is my family will be charged if I donate my organs. So uh, organ donors family is actually never charged for donation. The family is charged for cost of all final efforts to save your life. And then, but, but nothing that has to do with the actual procurement. And it says here, according to Mayo Clinic, the cost for organ removal actually go to the transplant recipient. It doesn't mean that like the transplant recipient pays for it out of cash or out of pocket, but you know, it goes to their insurance company and whatnot. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And 
I'm not too familiar with this, but I do know that at least at the hospital I work at, if you die in our hospital, you know, you get, you can have an autopsy and there's no, there's no extra charge for that autopsy. So if you take that and kind of use that as an idea of what it would be like for organ donation, I think you could see how the likelihood of any charges coming towards the family, it's just not going to happen. Exactly. Um, So I think we've gone through the majority of them. Uh Um, It definitely went through the, the, the headlining ones, the ones that I think are the most prevalent. Are there any more that you know of? I don't think so. I feel like the one I get asked about the most is, I'm too old, I'm too sick, or I heard that they won't save my life. Um, and I feel like, you know, those are definitely all myths. Uh, again, coming from two transplant recipients, but, you know, also physicians in the field. So it's, it's. I, I hope that this helps people. Yeah. Like I said, I think our hope is even if a single person decides to sign up to be an organ donor, that's one more added to the list where the number one problem facing those waiting for organ donation is lack of um, donors. So um, hopefully you'll all think about everything we've said and think about signing up. One uh, additional thing to add that we can again thank the Mayo Clinic for, appreciate them having so much information out there about organ donation is, you know, why should you consider being an organ donor? Like I said, April is Donate Life, National Donate Life Month. I think now's the time Um, to kind of really dig into this. So by donating your organs and tissue after you die, you can save or improve as many as 75 lives. I think it's just such a crazy big number that it's like, you have to say it again. So one person when they die can save or improve as many as 75 75 lives, um, which is incredible. Again, that's because of what you can do, not just with your main solid organs, but also what you can do with tissue um, and things like that. So and I, I can't speak for everyone. I can only talk to the small handful of people that I know whose family uh, member died and donated organs. And I can tell you with utmost confidence that they, that knowing their loved one helped save or improved others' lives has helped them cope big time with their loss of their loved one. I've heard the same exact thing. Sometimes when families are being approached about organ donation, I don't get involved in the process with, you know, our patients, but when they're being approached by like one of the OPOs or one of the social workers about it because their loved one is, is dying or they're brain dead. Um, I sometimes just want to, I mean, it's, I just want to be like, this could be the right decision. Uh, I've heard so many times that, you know, families actually, see it as like a coping mechanism as like a way that their loved one lived on after they died. But of course I never do. I just always just want to be like, I wish I could say that, you know? Yeah. So I've heard, I've heard it really does help the process. So if people wanted to sign up to be an organ donor, um, how could they do it? They can go to registerme.org. So that's an easy way to do it. It's basically like less than 30 seconds to to fill out those questions. You can also do it at your DMV. And then you can also do it, actually, if you have an iPhone, you can just do it through the health app. Uh, When you open up the health app, you just click your picture uh, or your profile and go to edit. And then there's, there should be a drop down somewhere about uh, if you're an organ donor or not. So, and actually the most important thing is to tell your family members that you would like to donate, but those are three official ways of doing it as well. Exactly. So hopefully you learned a thing or two from this episode. 
Uh, thank you again to everyone who listened. Thank you. So again, thank you to everyone for listening. We have officially gotten our first affiliate sponsor, which is really cool for us rookie podcasters. <laughs> and I think, you know, makes it more apt for us to try and continue this into the future. We are going to put a link to this in our description, but it is for Alitu. Alitu is the podcasting website that we use to make this podcast and us being such rookies at this and somehow we've found a way to manage to do it. So if you are interested in podcasting, please click the link in the description for this episode and see if this would be something you'd be interested in for yourself. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And this has been really fun. We've been almost doing this for a year. You know that? Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. Um, And you know, we have a decent listener, at least <laughs> not that I know. anyone cares, but we have a, a decent <laughs> amount of people that download every single episode, which is, um, you know, something that's exciting for us. And I think makes us feel like we're making some sort of difference in the world. Yeah. A, a difference in the world. Lives. <laughs> letting people know the importance of organ donation, I guess. Yeah. Um, and spreading a little medical knowledge on top of that. Yeah. It's been great. If you do like our podcast, please make sure you're subscribed to it and or like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast on whichever podcasting site you listen to, whether it be Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If listening to podcasts is not your thing, but you'd rather just have YouTube on in the background, we are uploading these episodes to YouTube. It is just the audio of it, but just another avenue for you to listen to if that's what you would like. So yeah, thanks for listening to us today. Um, me and Kobe on both sides of the stethoscope. Remember, you can always follow us at both sides of the stethoscope, both on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, and then if you have any questions for us, message us on either platform, or you can email us at both sides of the stethoscope at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.